this in the Holy Ghost to sing and lead us in worship. And then when it's over, she's like, what do we do now? I love it. That was awesome, you guys. Thank you. Miss Laura gets to bless us all the time in youth and young adults, so I'm glad that you guys uh, get to share in the gifts that God has given her. Uh, what a blessing that was. How sweet it is to come to the house of the Lord to worship him in the middle of a crazy, sometimes junky, blah. How many of you guys ready for it to be the weekend already? <laughs> Sometimes that's just how, 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 how it feels, but uh, I'm glad that you are with us tonight. Uh, Pastor Mike comes back this Sunday, so you do not want to miss that. He will be back here for the Sunday morning service. I believe they return Friday night, so he will have a full day of rest back at home. Sometimes you need a vacation from your vacation, right? <laughs> Especially when your grandkids go with you. But uh, they'll be back on Sunday, so be sure to be here for that. Uh, we do want to give you an opportunity to give this evening. It is good to be able to give. Amen. Uh, you have uh, offering envelopes in the seat backs there in front of you. Uh, if you need anything else, these gentlemen can serve you as well. But let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for this night, uh, for who you are, God. The things that you've done for us, the things that we continue to see manifest every single day of our lives. God, everything that we are, everything that we have is for your glory. So take uh, this seed and use it, God, to further your kingdom. And thank you, God, that you didn't just say, give me some money. <laughs> you gave it all to us first, God, and we give it back to you so that you can further the work of the kingdom. What a blessing it is to be blessed so that we can give towards others so that they might know you and get to know you more, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, buddy. Well, family, thanks for coming back on Wednesday night. Uh, I had the chance to speak with you a week ago last Sunday. Um, and if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it, not just because it was me, right? But uh, we talked about some things uh, about the Holy Ghost and, and the Holy Spirit, and I realized that uh, I kind of made some general assumptions, right? And then we talked a little bit about... Um, getting in those conversations with people uh, after the Holy Spirit moves in a church service, right? When we would drive down to the food court and you and your, uh, the people in your car that attend church here all the time say, man, I wonder how they're gonna think that went at service when we all spent 10 minutes speaking in tongues. I wonder how they're gonna handle that. And then your visitors that you brought with you that day are on their way down in the same car and they're going, what were they saying? That was a mix of Chinese and Japanese and Peruvian all together, and I have no idea what they were saying. And I realized that uh, I kind of put a charge uh, to you guys to, to be able to explain these things and to talk about and, and, and have a reason for your faith, right? Growing up in church, uh, I grew up here since I was seven years old, and as have many of the young people that still attend our church. And so many times we, we go through the stories in the Bible, and we just take them as stories, 
Right? We, we hear them as stories and we believe them as kids, uh, just like we've believed the Easter Bunny and all of that stuff. I want to make sure that there's no kids watching, uh, so I'm not going to mention any other people that visit us in jolly red suits around uh, December. But we start putting all these things together as stories, and then as we get into uh, our teen years, because we've never really searched these things out for ourselves, we've never really searched out the Holy Spirit and what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit for ourselves. Uh, we get to this stage, as most teenagers do, uh, and some of us, it doesn't stop till we're, uh, I'm not 40 yet, so when I'm 40, I'm hoping all of it stops and we just outgrow that phase. But we get to this point where we're questioning everything, but sometimes we're just too lazy to put in the work to find the truth, right? So we look to the internet, we look to our college professors, we look to everybody else for truth, but we actually grew up knowing the truth the entire time. So when it comes to things about explaining the Holy Spirit, there comes a time in, in every Christian's life where you need to be able to take a stand for what you believe in. And a lot of the times, the, the, things that, the time and effort that you put in is for yourself, so you can convince yourself that this stuff is all really true and really for us, right? Pastor Scott Stewart was here last uh, this Sunday, and it was amazing, and he came and spoke to us uh, in Youth and Young Adults uh, the other Friday night. And you know, when we live here in the United States, all the stuff in the Old Testament seems so far away. Like it's on the other side of the world. Like I've never been over there. I think the furthest I've been is Arizona. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I've been further than that. But we've never been to these places. And Scott Stewart started putting some, some pictures up. And he put up some pictures where, where Abraham was called out, God called him out into a distant land and where Abraham came and built an altar. And then years later, after the children of Israel come out, Joshua comes and builds an altar right over that same spot. And guess what, guys? Those altars still stand today. So he had a picture of the, of the, the altar that was built, that Joshua built, around Abraham's altar. And, and for me and several of the other young adults were there, and I can only imagine what the youth kids were thinking, like, whoa, this stuff is real. Right? So it's all so far removed. I think a lot of people like to go to Israel and see these places. I know just sometimes when I watch a documentary, when I watch uh, Hillsong United did some music videos from Israel. And some of those music, excuse me, I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. <coughs> excuse me. But some of those videos, just from being able to see the setting where they're they're singing from the temple, or they're singing from the mountain, or they're singing from the garden. These places that we read about in the Bible that we haven't ever really stopped to think of what it would be like, that these places are real. We just, sometimes it all becomes story because we're so far removed, and we do that a lot with, with some of the things that we believe. We do that sometimes with things pertaining to the Holy Ghost, right? Okay, well, that happened back in Jesus' day, you know, we start putting these things further and further away from us, but if we don't have a defense or we don't have the ability to defend our faith, sometimes we're going to be our biggest critic. Sometimes you're the one that's... <coughs> the devil doesn't want you here tonight. He doesn't want you to hear what God has for you tonight. But sometimes we're our own biggest critic, or maybe sometimes we're the one that needs to be convinced more than anybody else in our lives. And you know, a lot of the times, the things pertaining to God's word don't just come by you sitting there and being quiet, right? We can think about the things that we question in God's word, but until you decide that you're going to actually read the Bible, until you decide that you're actually going to study some of these things out, until you decide that you're going to get quiet and spend time praying in the Holy Ghost, 
so God can show you these things. We don't put in that effort, so what kind of result do we expect? And so we end up walking or living this life that's kind of half in, half out. We believe in Jesus. We want to do all the things that are supposed to do right, but as far as healing, as far as God providing for us, as far as you know, speaking in tongues, I don't really know about all this stuff because we haven't done ourselves the service of diving into God's word to see what he said about these things. So I know last week when I spoke, I kind of made some assumptions. And so tonight, I just want to kind of go through a couple things pertaining to the Holy Spirit. If you guys haven't been part of the Wednesday night series that Pastor Mike has done for the past uh, couple months, it's been amazing on the Holy Spirit. So anything that you guys hear tonight is not going to be new. I just hope that I can present it in a way that is so basic that it sticks with you. Um, I've talked to the youth and young adults about this, but one of the biggest and most impactful messages that I've ever been part of in youth and young adults was um, Jackie Nareth, who sings for us, who just had their little baby a couple months ago. Um, But she gave a message six or eight years ago in the youth group about the Holy Spirit. And it was at that time in my life, I believe, I speak in tongues, I do all of these things, but I never had anybody just lay out the basics for me in a way that was so self-explanatory. And, and what, it, what it yielded for me, you can't have this, this one's mine. This is my notes from that night that Jackie spoke. And I make a copy of it, put in each Bible that I have, and my wife and the good Lord knows that I have a lot of Bibles. It's one of the things that I like to collect. Uh, if I see one that I don't have that cover, I'll buy it. Right? And I just, I love to have them. I love to give them out. But I always, it's a Holy Spirit cheat sheet is really what it is. Because sometimes you're not often going to get in a discussion with somebody that is not a Christian about the Holy Spirit. Right? We're going to talk about what Jesus did for you, the price that was paid, how much God loves you, how much of, of an abundant life that he has for us. So those things that you're battling and struggling with, you can overcome those with Jesus. Right? That's, that's the message that we, we bring to the people that don't know Jesus or maybe be questioning, uh, maybe are questioning the things of Jesus. But so many times, and I think it, it's, it's proven by how many churches are within a three-mile radius of here, right? How the church has divided and taken different things. Or we want to believe this. We don't want to believe that. We're not going to talk about this. We will talk about that sometimes, but only in the context of this, right? We could, we could keep looping in circles, but we, we haven't talked about the Holy Spirit, right? And and most of those conversations that you have about the Holy Spirit are going to be with other believers, right? So most of the things that you can take is that they're going to believe that the Bible is true, right? And that's why it's important for us as, as Christians willing to defend our faith to be able to have a cheat sheet or be able to have those things memorized so that you can have them look up those verses for themselves in the Bible. I've only been part of Two conversations where I've proved something to somebody in the Bible, then they said, eh. And I said, if you're a eh Christian, it's going to be a eh life. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? If you, can, if you show another Christian what the Bible has to say about something and they don't want to believe it, that's completely on them. And that's a sad misfortune in their lives. So I hope tonight what we can do, just cover a few things. Pastor Mike has talked about all these things as well. Um, but... Just maybe a quick cheat sheet for you guys and how to kind of uh, talk about this with other people as well. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Pastors talk about this in John 14. You can go there. And guys, I hope none of this is new for you. 
but I hope it just presents it in a way that it sticks with you so when you have these conversations about the Holy Spirit, you can have that boldness. You know, sometimes the, the simple things are what it's easy to be bold in. I don't need to, to trace the Holy Spirit back through the entire Old Testament to prove to somebody that the Holy Spirit is for us now, right? There's things that we can do, and sometimes we overthink these things, but I hope tonight you get just a basic outline of how to maybe explain and talk about the Holy Spirit with other people. John 14, in verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. You guys, one of the things about the Holy Spirit is that for believers, it's not supposed to be a mystery. You are supposed to know the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of God himself living on the inside of you. You are supposed to know him as he abides with you and dwells in you. Keep going in this chapter to verse 26. Kind of repeats itself, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. In case there was a question, that Holy Ghost is that comforter for you. Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whosoever, whatsoever I have said unto you. I love that the Holy Ghost comes as our comforter. Right? Remember when Jesus was getting ready to go away, these guys were like, no, don't go, don't go. For many of these guys, Jesus was their comfort. He was the one that they could follow and trust, and he said, don't worry, I'm going to send another one. I'm going to send one that's going to be with you forever. You don't have to worry about him leaving. He's going to live in you. He's going to be with you. Because there was moments on the earth that Jesus wasn't with the disciples. We saw some of those moments outlined. Sometimes they panicked. Sometimes they made mistakes. Right? But this one, you can't get away from the Holy Spirit because he lives in you. Right? So you can't get away from this one. So he said he would send him another comforter that God would send. I love that the Holy Spirit is a gift for believers. Isn't that amazing? The Holy Spirit is a gift from your heavenly Father in Jesus' name. What does he do? This verse tells us that he teaches us and brings all things to our remembrance. Flip over a page to John 16. We'll start in verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, this is that comforter of the Holy Spirit that we were just talking about. When he, the Holy Spirit, is come, howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Guys, isn't it cool that the Holy Spirit, when he speaks to you, that is God the Father speaking right to you? We, we, we talked about prayer when we were in elementary class here. I think when I was in elementary class, we still had flannel graphs. Do you remember what those were? Little flannel characters that would stick on a flannel board. Now it's all animated and computerized. But we had something that would show that your prayer was your direct phone call, like the bat phone to Jesus, right? Or to God the Father. That's your direct bat phone was right, that prayer line right to, to heaven. But when the Holy Ghost speaks... To you, that is God the Father saying, uh-huh, right back to you. He's got that bat phone connected to you too through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a good thing? Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to have that in your life so God the Father can speak directly to you? Let's flip over to Romans 8, 26. Again, guys, this is just repeat stuff. This is not anything that you haven't heard over the past couple months. Romans 8, 26. 
Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Guys, that, we've talked about that in this church, about referring to uh, speaking in tongues. Um, but he's a helper, and he's there to make intercession for us and to help us to pray when we don't know how we should. And I have an eight-year-old daughter, and uh, her name is Chase, and she's beautiful. She looks just like her mama. Um, and we were, anytime that we're driving and we see a, a policeman go by with his lights on or the, the fire truck or an ambulance go by with the lights on, we always stop and pray for him. And it was one day when we were driving and, and I saw a fire truck ambulance go by and I didn't say anything. I look in the rearview mirror and I see Chase is watching the fire truck go by and she just, I could just see her little lips moving. And I'm like, oh man, come on. I, and I said, sweetie, what you doing? Well, dad, I know that, that's, that somebody needs their help, but I don't know what to pray. So I'm just praying in the spirit. Oh, come on, come on. Faith like a child, amen? Right, we get, we get so complicated in these things. But what a, what a great example. That when you don't know what to pray for, the Holy Spirit is here to help you pray. But we have so much of the church world that is so against speaking in tongues or just ignorant of speaking in tongues that they're not even willing to check it out. My dad uh, was over today and we had talked uh, a little bit about, my dad I've told you is always interested in what I'm going to be speaking about. And he's been asking me for the past month and a half that's just how my dad works. And so I told him a little bit about what I was going to share. And he, and he had told a story to me before um, that took place back in 1990. How many of you were alive in 1990? That whole half of the room is out, right? This is a place that took place, a story that took place in 1990. Um, <clears throat> my parents had been coming here since 87 or 88, so we've been here for a few years. And you know, especially in the early days when you came to this church, it, you couldn't come and, and not get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, you come, Pastor Mike would preach the word, Miss Beth would be playing keyboard and doing all that stuff and just ministering, and you couldn't, you could not get away from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So every time you, I mean, the day that they walked in and it was like, oh, we're going to check out this church, it was like, Holy Spirit, and here we go, right? We're talking in tongues and doing all that stuff, and mom, me and my little brother looking at our parents like, what? Like, what is that, Right? But I was talking to my dad, and this is a few years after they started coming to this church. It was a Sunday afternoon, and my dad worked uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Sundays were his day off, and then on Wednesdays, uh, he, would, he would be with us at home as well. And my dad and several of the, the gentlemen in the neighborhood always had, like, a best mode grass competition, right? Like, the weekend hit, and these guys were serious, they all had their own lawnmowers. I don't, can you even buy lawnmowers anymore? I don't know how that works. They all had their own lawnmowers and weed whackers and all this stuff. And so every weekend, my dad would be super proud to take care of his lawn, right? And it was a, uh, it was a Sunday after church, and my dad would do his normal routine. He would go home, take off his uh, shirt and tie, put on a T-shirt, and, you know, in the, in, the, in the 90s, the early 90s, just coming out of the 80s, running shorts, were really short. My dad was a runner, and the style was short shorts and high socks, and it's coming back, incidentally. So my dad is out there mowing the grass in his t-shirt, his short shorts, and his high socks, and, uh, and just, if you, if you mess with my dad on grass day, like, you're not his child that day. You know, like, give me an hour, son, I'll deal with it in a little bit. And uh, so my dad is just, is mowing the grass, and 
And in the middle of the grass, <coughs> devil doesn't want you to hear this either. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, sound guys. That's not fun for you. And in the middle of mowing, my gra- mowing the grass, my dad's grass, it was all of ours, but possessively it was his. In the middle of my dad mowing the grass, the Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of him and said, you need to go pray for this lady named Bernadette. My dad didn't know Bernadette. It was a friend of my mom's um, that incidentally was in the hospital. And, uh, and, and if it, I was talking to my dad, because you know how our spouses have friends that we don't really know, so it's kind of removed from us. That was kind of the situation, right? My dad had never met this lady um, and had heard through my mom that this lady was in the hospital, wasn't expected to make it through the night. She had uh, a brain tumor. She was dying of brain cancer. And in the middle of uh, one of the most important things in his life, of mowing the grass, the Holy Spirit just grabbed a hold of him. It was God talking right to him through the Holy Spirit and said, you need to go pray for her. My dad tried to ignore it and just got a hold of him again. You need to go pray for her. My dad, had, thinking to himself, I have every reason not to go pray for this lady. I don't know her. I'm removed from the situation. They think she's going to die tonight anyway. You know, I just started going to this faith church a few years ago, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out all these things. And, and it was so strong that he couldn't get away from it. So he stopped mowing the grass. My dad stopped mowing the grass. And he walked in and he said uh, to my mom, he said, hey, um, what hospital is she in? I need to go pray for her. My mom was like, okay. And so my dad gets in his car, didn't even change clothes, so he's in high socks, short shorts, and a t-shirt, covered in grass. And uh, I was asking him today some more questions about this story, because him and I have talked about it before. And I said, I said, Dad, what was taking place on the way to the hospital for you? And he said, Chip, I didn't know what else to do, so I was praying in the Spirit. He said, I was sobbing my eyes out and praying in the Spirit, knowing that I've never been used like this before. I'm trying to follow what God has me to do. Uh, and, uh, and, and I wanted to, to hear what he had to say. I said, well, Dad, why were you praying in the Spirit? He goes, because I don't know what she was facing. I could speak to the brain cancer, and that was it, but I don't know all the other details that were going on in this story. He's like, I didn't know how to pray, and the Holy Spirit just grabbed a hold of me and helped me, made intercession for me. So God used the Holy Spirit Spoke directly to my dad, bat phone directly to my dad to go. So my dad goes to the hospital, walks into the hospital, and for the first time ever meets this lady's husband and says, hi, my name is Chuck. I'm, um, God has asked me or told me to come pray for your wife. I don't know what the spiritual situation was on, on the family of, of this lady, but the guy says, Okay. So my dad goes in, and, uh, and he sat down, and he's crying and praying. The lady is unconscious, so it's not like she was even there to, to acknowledge him being there. She's unconscious, and uh, he starts praying, and he's praying in the Spirit because he really had no idea what to pray for. So he prays in the Spirit. He doesn't stay there for an extended period of time. He lays his hands on her, prays in the Spirit, gets himself together, then walks back out. <clears throat> Says, says goodbye to the husband, walks back out and goes home. It goes home to the, the lawnmower still sitting in the middle of the grass. And then the next day we get a call uh, that she made it through the night. Hey, she made it through the night. She wasn't supposed to. Doctor's running some tests right now. Later in the day. Mm, doctors can't find the tumor. Two weeks later, she's running and jumping on the beach. All because... 
somebody was willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right? What, what an amazing story. This lady is in a, in a comatose state. So she's not physically standing there believing for herself and nobody else was coming to lay hands, but being led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit bat phone directly to your heart, which is part of what the Holy Spirit does. It's God speaking to you. And then my dad, not knowing what to pray, not feeling, <laughs> you guys ever prayed for somebody and not felt like you were worthy? Not felt like you had enough Jesus inside of you to help them? All right, come on, I'm not the only one. But so what did my dad do? The whole time that he's praying on the way to the hospital, whether he knew it or not, he was praying exactly what we talked about last week in Jude. Building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. You guys, that buildup that we've talked about, that edifying that Paul talks about, that that's what tongues is for, is edifies you, is that charging up like your iPhone battery, like your Tesla battery, like whatever else that you have when you go home at the end of the day and you plug in to get recharged. So my dad, in whatever state he was, whatever focus that he was in, mowing the grass, knew that he needed to get charged up because the Holy Spirit was going to use him and leading him to go do something. So he spent time praying in the Holy Spirit, gets there, doesn't know exactly how to pray, so continues to pray in the Holy Spirit. And when you're praying in the Holy Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of the Father. You cannot ask amiss when you pray in the Holy Ghost. So he spent time praying in the Holy Ghost. And I know there's times in my life where I've just had something burning. I've, I've, I've heard stories from Miss Shaney saying the same thing, that there's something that just woke you up or something that just stirred on you and you had to pray, you don't know what it's for, so what do you do? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Have you guys, could you imagine not having the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you in prayer, but knowing you needed to pray for something? Because there's times I've been woken up not knowing what it's about, but it's this uneasy feeling, and you pray it out, pray it through, right? Like the old timers would say, we prayed it through. Right? But you wake up in the middle of the night, and you pray, and then that peace comes upon you, and you know you've done what you were asked to do. Could you imagine not having the Holy Spirit to help you do that? God, I don't know what it is. I'm praying for somebody somewhere for something. God, you are big enough to know what I'm trying to say. No, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what he's for. So you don't have to cower away from explaining what the Holy Spirit is or what speaking in tongues is because it is such a benefit to the body of Christ that so many people miss out on. He's the comforter. He will show you things to come. We can, uh, I'll kind of skip through some, some notes and get into the main part of what I wanted to share with you. But just like salvation, we know that the Bible says that God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of him. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and, and you guys, uh, we can go through uh, a bunch of stuff here in a minute, and we'll show you that there's a difference between being saved and receiving the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So what we're, what we're talking about being, you know, being filled with the Holy Spirit, who is that for? And if you go back and look through the Bible, I can give you scriptures. Even in the Old Testament, God promised that he would put a new spirit in you, a new heart and a new spirit will I give to you, and that you was his children. You qualify. If you look at Romans 8, 14, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. As children of God, you have a right and expectation that you can be led by the Spirit of God. That's God talking directly to you. Luke eleven thirteen 13 also says this, How much more shall your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Did you guys see how that scripture is? It's up on the screen, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. 
how much more shall your heavenly Father? Who's giving this to you? Your heavenly Father. So at this point, if you're calling him Father, you're already saved. Do you understand this? So how much more would your heavenly Father, if he's not your Father at this point, we can deal with that. We can get you saved. We can bring you into the kingdom of God so that he is your Father. And then... Your heavenly Father, when he is your heavenly Father, will give you the Holy Spirit if you ask. Guys, the Holy Spirit is for anyone who will ask. Jesus said it's a promise that the Father will give you to those who ask. And I know so many times when we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, um, we kind of don't know which way to take the conversation because ultimately we all know it's going to land back on speaking in tongues, right? We, we ultimately know that's where it's going to come out, especially when you uh, go to a church like this and you believe uh, that speaking in tongues is a right that every believer has once you are filled with the Holy Spirit and that speaking in tongues is the evidence that comes along with that. That is backed up by the Bible in case you did not know that, right? We have several instances in the Bible where the Holy Spirit comes and they speak in tongues. This isn't just... Uh, well, we saw it one time in the Bible and it works, so that's what we're going to take it off and make our own doctrine on it. No, this is something that uh, any, any of the guys that you see in the Bible that you're like, man, that'd be cool to be that guy. Man, it'd be cool to be Peter. Man, it'd be cool to be Paul. Man, those guys are really cool. All of these guys were Holy Spirit-filled, tongue-talking believers in Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. You're like, I don't know, my Bible doesn't say that. Yes, it does. <laughs> Go real quick to Luke 4. The Holy Spirit is important, amen? I won't make you go there, but you know when Jesus is baptized by John, yeah, I think it's in, verse, or in chapter 3, but it says this, Now when they, the people were baptized, it came to pass, and Jesus also baptized and praying. The heaven was open, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began about 30 years of age. And then go over to, to chapter 4. And Jesus, in, in verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You mean Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit? Well, of course. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Right? And then we see in verse 14, it says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, And he taught in their synagogues. Go down to verse 18. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that were bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You guys know the story that when Jesus was a child and he was 12 years old, his parents lost him, right? They lost him, and he goes, uh, they come back and they find him in the temple, and they said, what were you doing? He said, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus knew all along that he was grooming. He knew who his father was. He knew what he was, what he was training to be, and he was purposeful in those things. He was learning every day. And then when he, he hits the age of 30, the Holy Spirit comes on him and fills him with power. Let's go to the end of Luke, Luke 24. Just connecting some dots, guys. 
this is Jesus talking right before he goes up. In verse 49, it says this, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endured with power from on high. Verse 53 says, And they were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. This takes us over to Acts 1, where Jesus said to go into Jerusalem and wait. And if you go to Acts 1, uh, it kind of picks up the story right there. Um, Verse 3 says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. So where are they? Jerusalem. It's okay to say that. They're in Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from here. Guys, let me ask you a question. By all accounts uh, that we have in Romans, the Romans road that we walk people through to be saved, by all accounts, these guys that are sitting here with Jesus, they believe he's their Lord and Savior. They've seen him die and they've seen him raise again and pay the price for their sins. They've got to actually see it, right? They, they got to walk with him. So by all accounts, by all the beliefs and qualifications that we have in the Bible, which is what we should use to qualify things, by the way, by all accounts, these guys are saved. Do we, do we see that? Can we all agree upon that? These guys believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Do we see that? Jesus tells them to wait. Then in verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Verse 12, Then they returned to Jerusalem for they're about... Uh, for the mount called Olive, which was from Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, this is verse 13, they went up into an upper room and abode with Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon uh, Zealots and Judas, the brother of James. All the guys that we talk about being really cool, right? You guys see this? And they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary and mother of Jesus and his brethren. And then fast forward to chapter two. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, side note, get Scott Stewart's book on the day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You guys remember where they were at? Where did Jesus tell them to be? In Jerusalem. They were all in Jerusalem. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled, and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them clothed in tongues like of fire and sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pastor Mike taught on this the other week when it says that they began, that alludes to them not stopping. It doesn't mean that they were speaking in tongues 24 hours a day. But this began being filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. So these guys would go on for the rest of their lives to speak in tongues. Do we understand that? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. So when you're having a conversation with somebody and they say, well, I believe I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I received Jesus into my heart or when I received the Holy Spirit into my heart. Yes, the Holy Spirit came and made his home in your heart. Just like these guys who believed in Jesus the same way that you did. But Jesus said that there's more. So we look at Acts 2 and we see that the more is being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I don't know if we'll get to it tonight, but we, Pastor Mike always talks about let two or three witnesses, right? And the Bible always proves itself out. So if you go real quick, you just want to make a note about this in Acts 10. Because you want to show, show other believers more than one instance in the Bible where this happened, right? In Acts 10, we have Peter. This is verse 44. It says, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Everybody there that heard, that was filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues and magnified God. It's not just a one-time occurrence in the Bible. Should we continue? <laughs> so when you're talking to people, you can show them there's two things. Do you see it? Can you see it? You had Jesus who grew up knowing God and then was filled with the Spirit, and that's when he went out and did his ministry work. And then you have, in this story, all of the guys that were there in the upper room, they were all believers in Jesus. They had walked with him. They had seen the risen king. By all qualifications that we have when we go get people saved and we evangelize, they were saved. They were Christians. And then Jesus says to go and wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And that Holy Spirit comes and it sets the world on fire. You have Peter that same day, uh, or yeah, it was Peter that same day in Acts 2, gets up and delivers a message that results in 3,000 people being saved. Peter was one of the guys speaking in tongues. Right? We just read it. Peter was one of the guys speaking in tongues. So we think about this guy that goes on to do great missionary work. We're like, wow. He was led by the Spirit in the things that he did. He helped set up churches. How did he do all these things? Please know that being led by the Spirit and speaking in tongues was a huge part of his life. I like the end of this story. I think it's in verse 30. Mm, where is it? Verse 41. This is after Peter's given the message. It says, Then they gladly received his word and were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Can I ask you if you think the apostles' doctrine at this point now includes speaking in tongues? Absolutely. They've just had the Holy Spirit come. Everybody that was in that room that they're talking about right here is filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. They spill out onto the streets. 3,000 people are like, what? I hear them speaking in my own language. This is crazy. This must be from God. Peter gets up, tells them what's going on. One of the guys are just speaking in tongues, and it says 3,000 were saved. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. I bet you that the apostles' doctrine included speaking in tongues from that day forth. What about you? Acts 8. In verse 5, we see this. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Then jump over to verse 14. It says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem, still there, when the apostles that were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Wait, what? That they might receive the Holy Ghost. Let's keep reading. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. These guys were saved. Do you see that? 
They went down and were baptized into Jesus, that they believed in Jesus. And the disciples were like, man, we got to go because there's more. We got to go. He didn't just say, get them saved, and we'll see them next year on our missions trip. They said, man, we got to get down there. We're in Jerusalem. We got to get down there. Philip went down and preached Christ to them. They believe in it. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus. So we're going to go down and pray for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 17, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Guys, I'm just building cases, so when you're talking to other believers, you can show them in the Bible there's two things, right? And it's not, it's not to cause diversity between you and them. It's so you can help show them that there's more to this Christian walk. You want to talk about guys like Peter. You want to talk about guys like Paul and how can we do the things that they did and be as bold as they did. These guys understood that the Holy Spirit was a necessary key to that. And they spent time speaking in tongues. We're right here. The conversion of Saul is in Acts chapter 9. We're not going to read all of it, but in verse 5 it says this. You guys know the story. He falls down. Jesus shows up in verse 4 and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? That Lord. Somebody that if you didn't believe that he was your new master, that you wouldn't call them Lord. I, th I think m more of us would be like, ah! What do you want? Not understanding immediately the one I've been persecuting is Jesus Christ, the one that they've been saying is the Lord and Savior. I've been persecuting and saying that that's not true. And Jesus shows up and says, I'm the one that you've been persecuting. He goes, Lord, show me what to do, Lord. And, and I love that uh, in the next couple of verses, he says, Lord, what would you have me to do? And Jesus tells him what to do. And guess what Paul does? He does it. I'm starting to think that Paul's believing in this Jesus guy. What about you? Confessing him as Lord. Then let's go ahead and go down to um, verse 10 real quick. And there's a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And, and, he, and him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. The same thing that Paul calls him. I am here, Lord. Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays. Saul, is, Saul, who we now know as Paul, is praying. I think the guy's believing in Jesus. Saul is praying. Ananias tries to say that he doesn't want to go, but go down to verse 17. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother, can I submit something to you? They weren't really related. There's one way that possibly that they're related now. Why do you think that he would call him brother? It wasn't just like a cool greeting term back then like we use now. What's up, brother? Is that Hulk Hogan? Is that who used to say that? But he's acknowledging him. He, he just had a conversation with God where God said, he's a chosen vessel for me. So Ananias, somebody that follows after God, shows up and says, brother Saul acknowledging him as a brother in Christ. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto you, thee in the way came thou to me and has sent me that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. This is Paul, guys. It's every Bible school's biblical superhero filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 26 And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he stayed, he stayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple 
But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Skip down to verse 31 at the end of it says this, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, they were multiplied. Where is Paul now? We just saw that he joined the disciples in Jerusalem. Is this the same Jerusalem that Acts 2 took place? Where 3,000 were saved and 5,000 were saved and they are now continuing in the apostles' doctrine. So, so, so Paul gets saved and filled and decides that he's gonna go back and learn in Jerusalem with these other guys. He's gonna continue in the apostles' doctrine that included what? Speaking in tongues. We can talk about, well, we never see in this moment Paul speaking in tongues. If you guys have been with Pastor Mike over the past few weeks, he's outlined these verses as well. But we always love to go to weddings and talk about 1 Corinthians 13. And I think if half the, the people in the world could get past chapter 13 that talks about love and get on to verse 14 where it talks about the Holy Spirit, we could have a lot more Holy Spirit showing up in our churches these days. But I also love in chapter 13, it says this. The very first verse says, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. Wait, wait, wait. Who's writing this? Who wrote the letter to the Corinthians? Paul. Uh-oh. Paul's one of those holy rolling speaking in tongues guys. Can I, can I show you something? Go back to the very first chapter of Corinthians. Hold your finger here. We're going to come back to 14. Because any time that you are going to speak with people that are believers that, that know their Bible or at least have... Uh, studied their Bible a little bit or have gone to Bible college, they're going to make you outline several things anytime you're trying to show them a scripture. They're going to say, who is it for? Who wrote it? And, and how do we interpret it? Right? So they're going to they're ask you who this is for. So what you'll do is you'll go to the very beginning of Corinthians and it says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenus, our brother, we'll leave it at that, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Did you guys see who this is for? It's for the church at Corinth, but with all them that in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ. Do you call on the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord? Then this is for you. Back to, back to chapter 14. This is how you have to talk to Bible-believing Christians. You have to show them that the Bible says that this is for them or else they're not going to take it. They're just going to leave it and think it was for just the church of Corinth. And we're talking about Paul, who has continued now with the apostles' doctrine, and now we, here we are in 1 Corinthians 14. And he starts talking about this thing called tongues. For he that speaketh, in, in verse 2, for he that speaketh in unknown tongues speaketh not unto men, but unto who? Oh, come on, isn't that good? You get to speak right to God. Congratulations. And we have a lot of the church world that thinks that tongues does not exist for today or that won't even teach on tongues. But that's how you get to talk right to God. And let's go through a few more of these. Verse four, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, 
But he that prophesies edifies the church. You guys, this edify is what we talked about building up. This is not a prideful edification. Look how great I am because I speak in tongues. This is you building yourself up in your most holy faith, like Jude says. And a lot of the times when you're talking to Bible believers, they'll, they'll use that but right there in the middle of the sentence to say, well, see, it says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he that prophesies edify the church. Shouldn't we edify the church and not ourselves? Right, do you see how we start to twist words and take things that are just a half a scripture? See, shouldn't we edify the church and not ourselves? That edify doesn't mean you be prideful. That means be built up and charged up like Jude says. Let's continue on. Um, outside of Jesus, Paul's probably one of the most talked about, one of the most quoted, right? One of the most important guys that we have in the New Testament, guy that we talk about all the time, that you hear churches talk about all the time. And in verse five, it says this, Paul saying this, I would that you all spake with tongues. I would that who? You all, every single one of you. Paul, Bible superhero, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Uh-oh, but here's, here's the other side, but, you see that but right there? I'm not even looking at it, but it's staring at me in the face. I can see it. I would that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you prophesied. Can I say something to you? Just because he'd rather have you prophesy in a church service doesn't mean he does not want you to speak in tongues. Right? The first statement is not negated by the second statement. I would that you all spoke with tongues. And how do we know that Paul wants us to speak in tongues? If you go down to verse 18, and we could, we could do this all day with what Paul says to these guys. In verse 18, it says this, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Paul this guy that we are just enamored with, in, in awe of the things that he was able to endure, the miracles that he was part of, the teaching that he did. He says, here you go, guys. Here's the key is I build myself up in my most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. He says this, I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than all of you. Look at the next verse. Yet in church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that doesn't mean that Paul doesn't still speak in tongues more than all of them. You see how the second statement does not negate the first. But what he's making is the distinction between tongues and interpretation in a church service. And Pastor Mike had covered this extensively about the church at Corinth came behind a no good gift. And these guys were just speaking in tongues over each other to the point where people were coming in like, huh? Like what we would think of like deep Pentecostal, right? Like we're kind of scared they're going to bring out snakes and blankets and all this stuff. Like that's what the church of Corinth was doing. And people were like, this isn't how it's supposed to go. Because look at the end of this chapter in verse 40 or verse 39. It says, wherefore, brother, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Tongues is something that should take place in the church, that does play, take place in the church and should not be forbid in the church. Verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. You guys, there is a place for the public side of tongues interpretation in a church service. But if you look at Paul, it really sounds like most of the time that he spent speaking in tongues was in his alone time with God. The times that he needed to be built up. Man, if you think about a guy who needed to be built up and edified by speaking in tongues, that needed to build up his faith on a daily basis, 
Paul's a pretty good candidate for one of the leaders. Right? And we look at him, we look at Jesus, and we look at Paul. We think, man, how did these guys, how are they able to do all of these things? And it all comes back to being willing to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. I can't get away from that verse in Jude. Building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. Guys, these guys knew it. We talk about Peter getting people filled in the miracles that he did. He was a tongue-talking fella. We talk about Paul and the things that he did and the endurance that he had and the patience that he had to run his race and stay faithful. He was a tongue-talking fella. We think about all these guys, these miracles that we see go on in the Bible, and then we fast forward to a guy cutting his lawn on a Sunday afternoon that is filled with the Holy Ghost, is led by the Spirit, prays in tongues and charges himself up, goes to the hospital, and God does miraculous things. When you want to talk about the Holy Spirit with other people, there's so much that they're missing out on, but we have to be ready and equipped to show them, not just by words, but in deed. The gospel with power. That's this life that we walk out. So I hope that you can explain and talk to people about what the Holy Ghost is for, how, what he's here to help us do, and to be able to show them there's more than just coming into the kingdom of God. Could you imagine having to try to walk out a spirit-led life without being led by the Spirit? It's, it's just however the best that you can reason what this Bible is saying. Right? But when you are led by the Spirit of God, you will walk in the miraculous. You will walk a life of discipline because the Spirit enables you and empowers you to do that because he's only going to lead you from what he hears the Father say. And that will never lead you astray. Building yourself up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. You guys, I know sometimes tongues is an interesting topic to talk about, but don't ever be ashamed about the gifts that your Heavenly Father has given you. You can explain to people that there is a public side of tongues, that there is a private side of tongues, and that the Bible explains explicitly that it is for all of us. It's not just a chosen few. Now, Pastor even outlined where Paul goes through and talks about how it works in the churches, right? And that some are called apostles, some are teachers, some are preachers, some have the gift of tongues, some have the gift of prophecy, but that is for the corporate office of the ministry. That's not you and your daily walk because everyone in this Corinth church was walking into church speaking in tongues. And Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in church, I'd rather say five things that you could understand. That does not mean that he didn't spend time speaking in tongues. This guy that would go on to set the world on fire, that would change and write so many of the things that we have here. But we, we, we see the things that Paul has written, and then when we get to tongues, we kind of skirt around it. Right, we can, we can be talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, but then when we start talking about tongues, we kind of shy away from it. Don't you dare shy away from speaking and praying in the Holy Spirit. It's an important thing for you to do. For if I pray in unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is, in, is unfruitful. This is 14, 15. What is it then? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. One more quick thing I want to share with you guys. Parents and, and, and influencers, I guess, if you have young people around you, this is something that's super important because a lot of people avoid talking about tongues and the power that comes with that. They, they avoid being led by the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so many times we see this in our society that if you stay quiet on a subject and if the church today stays quiet on being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues, it's going to continue to get further and further away and less and less and less. We're going to continue to become a silent minority that we already are because so many of the church has let go of this early church doctrine. We don't go back to Acts 2 and say we're going to follow in the apostles' doctrine. And if we would just read this Bible and see how important speaking in, in tongues is, the job of the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to comfort us and to make intercessions for us and to speak perfect mysteries with God that we don't even understand. How cool that you can be walking about your daily life praying the perfect will of God for the people around you. What a gift. But we have not because we ask not the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask. And we have a, a church world at large that does not ask on a daily basis to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that does not ask to pray the perfect will of the Father, that have never received this gift from their Heavenly Father, not because he doesn't want it for them, but because they have failed to ask or been failed to even be taught to ask. And we can't be silent. If we want the God of miracles, the God of Paul, the God of Peter, if we want this God to show up and change the world today and impact people's lives today, we have to be led by the Spirit and be willing to speak in tongues and have a ready defense for our faith. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. Get in that word of God and let him remind you of those things and don't shy away from opportunities to tell other people about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see that we already saw it here that they went down and they preached the gospel to them. And once they found out that they received the gospel, the next wave came in and said, Holy Spirit, we go in. And they went and got them filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a vital part to our Christian walk. Don't shy away from sharing him just as much as you share salvation with the world today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for this time together. That we can come and learn about you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the teacher, that you are the one that brings these things to our remembrance. God, help us to be bold. Spirit, continue to stir in us, and uh, we purpose to listen, to listen for the still, small voice, to, to pay attention when sometimes you have to grab us by the neck. But we will not shy away from speaking about the Holy Spirit and speaking about the gift of speaking in tongues. God, thank you that you gave us the ability to talk directly to you and you directly to us. That when your Spirit speaks to us, it's you talking right to us, God. And when we speak in the Holy Spirit, and he gives us utterance. We're speaking perfect mysteries, perfect things to you, praying out your perfect will. And God, that's what we want in this world, in this church, in our families, in these schools, in these counties. God, we want your perfect will to be done so we will continue to be vigilant and pray in the spirit. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you didn't leave us here to do this on our own, but you gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And we thank you for the truth and the ability to speak in other tongues. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thank you. Have a great rest of the night. Pastor Mike is back on Sunday. We love you and we'll see you then. Bye, guys.